0: Hello, this is Examiner Radio, the weekly radio show and podcast that covers news, politics, and all things Halifax. I'm Tim Bousquet, editor of the Halifax Examiner, which is online at halifaxexaminer.ca. And in the studio with me is Tara Tyre our regular contributor filling in for producer Russell Gregg. Hey. Hey. Did I read that right? Yeah. You know I don't do well with scripts.
1: Uh, feel free to throw it away. Okay, <laughs> excellent.
0: All right. How you there?
1: Uh, great, great.
0: Slow, slow summer news season.
1: It is. It absolutely is. I've actually had time to actually stay up on news, and there are... It's pretty quiet.
0: Yeah. A couple of things we'll get to. First, though, I'm supposed to say, according to this crumpled up script that this is episode number 122 122, of Examiner Radio. And as always, you can listen to the show on CKDU 88.1 FM radio in Halifax on Fridays at 4.30 or via their website, which is uh, cleverly uh, named ckdu.ca.
1: Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other place you find podcasts, and have each new episode automatically delivered to your device of choice. I all those kind of devices. You're
0: wavering off the script. Too.
1: I know. There you go. Uh, just search for Halifax Examiner in that platform search engine, and it'll be the first result. See, I stuck to the script there.
0: Yeah, you know, when I have when I interview someone, I have I usually have like an index card with like five words on it. Just to remind me to ask him about this, this, that. I don't know about scripts; those are for pros. <laughs> uh, but this script says I'm supposed to say we have Erica Butler on the show today. Uh, she's the examiner of transportation columnist. and uh, we're going to talk primarily about uh, 20 Highway 103 and sort of some potential alternatives to 20. And also uh, discuss a piece she wrote about uh, getting to Africville uh, somehow that's not in a car. Yeah. So that's, that, that that's would
1: a, be very good to know.
0: First up, let's, let's do uh, we can review. And I really am just going to toss this down. Uh, what do you want to talk about?
1: Remind me to recycle this paper <laughs> before we leave the studio. First off, let's talk about Annie Leibovitz. Okay. I mean, we're all... She's
0: a crazy woman, lives in Manhattan.
1: Yeah, and in a
0: palatial house. Have you seen her house?
1: I no, I have. I have not. But I have heard about uh, all the famous photos that she has taken, and how there's like two thousand of them that we don't know if we're ever going to get to see.
0: I think they're sitting in a warehouse somewhere downtown. The house is related. The Manhattan house is related. She is famously um, in dire straits financially. Has been for a decade. And part of it is because she bought this apartment building, basically, and, or condo, and she converted it all the whole building to her, her – it takes up a whole city block man. Manhattan. So she's out of money. She's been out of money for a long time. And um, there was a deal made, the Mintz family. Somehow I, – I don't understand the exact chain of control here, but somehow they ended up in possession of these photos, mm-hmm. but not owning them. And then they made a deal with Annie. We'll give you four to five million bucks. Uh, we'll buy them from you. But it's dependent on finding somewhere where we can donate these these uh, photos so we can get a tax break on them. So uh, the deal was she'd get half the money up front and then after they got the tax credit, she'd get the other half. Well, they pitched it to one museum. They, the museum told them to go pack and we're not gonna do that. And then they pitched it to uh, the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia, and they bit.
1: Right. Well, it looks like she wanted to, from things I was reading earlier, she wanted to, uh, the collection, to go to a smaller art gallery where it would be a real focal point.
0: Yeah. Well, wow. this uh, tax board has rejected it now four times. Yep. When I first started uh, researching this story, I reported uh, three. It was the third time that The tax board rejected this, and uh, someone corrected me. Oh, no, that's never happened more than twice, but now it's confirmed that we're up to four.
1: Yeah, that happened this week.
0: Anyway, I I should back up a bit and say the Mintz family only actually gave Annie the first half of the money two days before they applied to this tax board to get a a tax credit. And so they were – I forget the exact dollar amount that they – had agreed to pay Annie somewhere between four and five million dollars, and then they asked the tax board for a twenty million dollar tax credit. This says to me, this is a tax scam.
1: But they okay, so it was four point seven million to Liebowitz. Yeah, and uh,
0: H- half upfront, right?
1: And then the gallery, I believe, had three independent appraisals. Well, are they and that, though? Okay, but they came up with a twenty million dollar. Fair market valuation, right? So, you know, some of the things I was reading was that um, if you bought everything in bulk, right, 2,000 images all at once, you get a discount. And if you were to sell each of them individually, you know, sure, yeah, that could add up to $20
0: Well, at any event, the tax board is uh, having none of it, partly because it's not a Canadian-specific art piece, you know, any of them. Uh, maybe one or two are but primarily it's not a Canadian collection. It wasn't produced in Canada. So that's something they frowned upon and they didn't like that uh I was reading one gallery curator on Facebook in another province was saying he was saying, yeah, these this is how we build our collections, uh but this purchase two days before they applied, this this, this uh-huh. stinks. Yeah. Right. Well,
1: um, I mean the board and you know, and this is the mouthful, so I'll read this from the script, yeah. right? The Canadian Cultural Property Export Review Board, right? Yeah. So that's the board. They did approve, what, six hundred, seven hundred sixty-two of the prints, right, of the 2,000. So it did deem yeah. more than 700 as being sort of culturally significant and of natu- national importance.
0: At any event, the Mintz family has not given Annie the second half of the money. Uh, because they can't get their tax credit. And as a result, uh, well, Annie still owns the intellectual property rights to those photos, so the museum can't really display them and wouldn't be able to promote their display. So wouldn't be able to use the images in in advertising or in a program or on their website or anything like that. So there they sit. And no one, you know.
1: Unless she... Gives them permission and gives permission for the collection yeah, but she, to be she exhibited. Wants her money. Well, yeah, she, and she's not talking. I think everybody's waiting to see. Okay, I'm, I'm what going to, do Manhattan, you want to say about this? Uh,
0: in September. I'm, I'll oh. knock on her door.
1: Could you do that? Yeah, uh, that, no,
0: seriously, I am so.
1: Okay, yeah, knock on her door, and uh, you know, I mean, I, you know, as someone who would who would love to see these photos. I'd love to be able to go to the gallery, we right? really? Yeah, absolutely. The other thing is, you They're know. are online. <laughs> I mean, you see that. There's nothing brother. like actually I walking to an art morning. gallery, an art space. There's, you know, do you go to uh, art galleries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's it's different I from looking at something online. Okay. It's real tiny. It's, it is very
0: tiny. Uh, we've gone off script, as we do, say. <laughs> we have gone off script,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, but.
0: Uh, so, where are we? Uh, so,
1: anyway, this is, the story's not even over. Like, this is going to be an ongoing saga, and it might end with you knocking on Leibovitz's door in Manhattan to ask her what's going on.
0: Yeah, I, I think that the uh, realistically – well, there's two ways this could go. Somebody, meaning probably the province of Nova Scotia, could pay Annie the rest of the money. Or there's another little out, which is that the PMO cabinet can uh, – override this tax board. Uh, hmm. So that's possible. Which would be, in my opinion, scandalous.
1: So you're saying it's possible, but it's is it theoretically possible. Theoretically possible.
0: I'm just throwing that out there. I don't think the Prime Minister would allow that. But the uh, curator of the art gallery in Nova Scotia is the spouse of a local MP. Liberal MP, so who knows? Hmm. Just throwing that out there. Not saying I, I don't think it will happen. Okay. But, but I just want we to say see. if it does happen, I, I want people to go, "Hey, Tim said that could
1: happen." It's something else you <laughs> can talk with Leibovitz when you knock on her door. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll take. I'll take photos. Okay. Uh, not. Not just off the internet. That'd be great.
1: <laughs> I, we all appreciate that. Everyone who takes photos, especially for a living, would appreciate that. Um, moving on. <laughs> You know, I did want to talk a little bit about dooring. Yeah. Because.
0: You've never been a cyclist, have you?
1: No. To be honest, I'm a little frightened about cycling in the city. In this city, Uh, yeah. Because I know just as a pedestrian, as someone who walks a lot, I've been nearly hit a dozen times. Yeah. And that's just me walking on the street and crossing the street.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a real. I I don't cycle right now, but when I was younger, I used to cycle all the time in warmer places than this. And... uh, Yeah, it's a a real fear. It's like uh, people park uh, on the side of the street, you know, parallel park, whatever, grab their belongings, and then open their driver's side door, and that's right where the bicycles are, and they run smack into this open door, right? And uh, people are seriously injured all the time, sometimes killed, you know, because the driver just is not attentive to the possibility that they could be opening a door into the path of a cyclist. Mm-hmm. So this happened uh, here in t- town a few days ago yeah. and uh, the cyclist was injured and hospitalized I believe, taken to hospital and um, police came and said Phew, no laws were broken here.
1: Yeah, well it looks like they, I mean according to the Halifax Cycling Coalition this is sort of the, again this is something that we've we've made clear this is a major issue yeah. and a lot of cyclists say that this is uh you know something that needs to be addressed. So I think it's uh, Councillor Sean Cleary yep. who's floating this uh, about trying to get during, to make it an, an offense, a specific offense under the Motor Vehicle Act, right? Maybe even fines or potential penalties if you could lose demerit points. Yeah, I think, I think it's
0: good. That, yeah, that. you know, I'm not, uh, I think it's good that people are talking about it. Not so much to get the legislation passed, although I'd, I'd be supportive of that. I just think people should be aware that this is a, something that happens and if you know when you parallel when you park on the side of the street you should look back and see if anyone's coming.
1: I'm just I'm just surprised cuz you know if you are getting out of your car, you know as the driver, normally you look around to see if there are other vehicles around, you know, let's face it we have tight streets anyway, yeah. right? Most Pe- times, people, are
0: in well, program. it's the same thing that that uh, motorcycles have, right? People see cars and trucks, and they don't see people on bicycles or motorcycles. Hmm. So it's just one of those. Be certain there's not a cyclist there.
1: So do you think this will go? This these changes will yeah, happen. Yeah, it, I think it'll, it'll
0: I'll, go I think it'll happen. Yeah.
1: Okay. Let's take a break. All right. Um, and when we come back, we'll speak with uh, you'll speak with Erica Butler. Yep. And about Highway 103, Africville, and kind of uh, trans the transportation connection yep. between. We haven't two had
0: friends. Erica on in a while, so uh, it's good to have her back in the studio. We'll return right after this. <laughs> Joined in the studio by Erica Butler. Hi.
2: Hi. How you doing?
0: Good. I should say examiner transportation columnist, Erica
2: Yes. Butler.
0: Yeah. You, you've been on before.
2: I have. And what were we talking about? I then? don't know. I don't so even, long ago. Yeah. We, we
0: need to have you on more often. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming in. Yes. You had an interesting column this week about uh, getting to Africville before we get on to our main topic. you sure. want to just give us a thumbnail about that?
2: Sure. Yeah. Well, I I discovered this. I mean, I had it's like a shame that I, it took me like 15 years of living here before I actually like made an effort to go visit Africville. Number one, I'm ashamed a bit. But I uh, went there for my kids' school picnic, wonderful event. They all go down there, they have to get bused down. Yeah. I thought since it's so close, I'm going to ride my bike down. You live um, up in the North End. I live up, yeah, yeah, I live up in the North End. So, yeah. And, you know, Google mapped it and then. Off I went, but then you know, realize that getting there, you know, you hit a stretch of Barrington Street that's like a seventy-kilometer zone. Like, the, the green highway signs are there for getting on the the one eleven slash McKay Bridge. It's just it just becomes a totally different. This of is fish. Uh,
0: just north of the Irving Shipyard up that way.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, I mean, luckily, I saw a family ahead of me kind of jump the guardrail. They were on foot headed towards the park. And I said, oh, that's how you do it, I guess. So I lugged my bike over the guardrail, and that's how I got there. And, um, yeah, commiserated with a couple other parents who were there who had sort of the same thing because there's a lot of people who haven't been to this park before. It's getting a lot more profile now for the past five years, I guess. There's been a museum there. It's a National Heritage Site. Yeah the museum runs tours it's a really great little museum yep. I've also visited that this summer for the first time
0: and just a good park too Oh
2: and a, and a beautiful park yep. right and and also like like an interesting place to walk because they have signs to say like this is where the Africville yep. post office was mm-hmm. this is where so you get a sense of like oh okay this was the land and this was the place where these things that were now demolished once were and you get a sense then also of like the 2017 value of it like what it would have been like I had that remained a community you can you can yeah. kind of get a sense of like I mean, this was prime property basically yeah. except that it became the foot of a like a highway interchange basically yeah. a
0: so you had a hard time getting there and yeah. getting back yes uh, I've been a, I've tramped all around that area
2: you go anywhere on foot don't you yeah
0: yeah pretty much and and I the way one time I got there, I've been there many times, but one time I went there, I came down from Seaview Lookout Park, climbed a fence, scrambled over the, down a grade, and then over the railroad tracks. Yeah, that way, which is not an advisable. No, to do,
2: yeah, and also, I mean, I didn't do that. I have been to the head of Sea View Lookoff finally as well recently, but it's also like, as you say, very much separated from the rest of Africville Park. It's yeah. like it's right adjacent to, you know, and like I say in in, in mm-hmm. the story in the Examiner this week, it's like as the crow flies, it's four hundred meters from that park to the Africville Museum, but you have to, like as you say, scramble down across some active railroad tracks and here and there. I don't know that you have to, I haven't heard, I haven't done it myself recently, but I haven't heard that there's a fence that you have to climb right now, but maybe that's because it's been knocked down. I don't know. Right. But it's not an active or maintained path. And the city have said that. There is actually a report on the books right now. It's just an information report, which was prompted by a petition that was filed last summer. Um, Some of the summer students, the interpreters that are working at that museum, I mean, obviously, they were having to go to work every day to get there. So they're driving, you know. So, So
0: are we going to get an active transportation route to Africville?
2: So I guess basically what we're going to get is we're going to get a preliminary report or study or design saying this is probably how much it would cost and this is what it would look like generally. So that's what we're going to get in the fall, and that's in this year's budget. Okay. So that should happen. They'll hire a consultant. The consultant will come in and say, "Well, here's what you'd have to do. It's going to cost X number yeah. of dollars." A, ni- at-
0: a nice pedestrian bridge and bicycle bridge from the CV lookoff uh, over the tracks would be,
2: yeah, ideal. Yeah. Now that I mean, a bridge wasn't mentioned, but they did mention like uh, like a proper three meter wide yeah. at trail go like you know over that distance. But they have to do something across the tracks. Yeah. They have to do. You know, something in that area. Yeah. I mean... Well,
0: we'll stay tuned on that. Yeah, we will. Yeah. The main reason I asked you in is uh, there was a big announcement this week Mm -hmm. about 20, the 103.
2: Yeah. The federal government has announced, you know, sort of their share of of I guess the first projects to happen theoretically anyway. Sometimes these funding announcements yeah. don't really correspond to reality. I'm sure you've noticed.
0: <laughs> well, the the building, the, a little bit of background for yeah. listeners, yeah. uh and maybe for you, is the Building Canada Fund has been in place for about five, well, since the uh since the financial collapse. It was built uh, so r- around 2010. By the Harper government Mm -hmm. uh, As a a way to spend Stimulus money Mm -hmm. Highly politicized All all these things always are The example I use is The city's first application Was for Quinpool Road Streetscaping And the federal government Rejected that And instead Funded uh, sidewalks in Sheet Harbor, the one bit of HRM that that was in <laughs> Peter McKay's district. <laughs> so, uh, and then the other thing that happened was they pulled the funding for, the city had already started construction on the Fort Pat Arena in Bedford uh, with the expectation that uh, the Building Canada Fund would pay part of it, and they pulled that. Mm. And so the city took on a $50 million debt it wasn't anticipating. Mm. But, that 's besides the point, these funds have been available uh, fifty million dollars over the next few years uh, would have to be spent in Nova scotia and the Trudeau government has earmarked uh, about half of that for the 10 hundred three twenty and the McNeil government provincial government has said it will match that as part of its three hundred million dollar commitment to twenty mm-hmm. Do we need this?
2: well, I mean you know this is this isn't it 's a healthy debate for us to have. I don't think we need it as a priority, right? I mean, I think there's other things that we need as a province, you know, in advance of that like what uh well, I mean specifically like I mean we could get into you know outside of the transportation realm, we could get into like hospitals, we could get into like i right. mean we're you know forcing. Teachers on, you know, in strike positions. Here we're like, you know, we're playing, so we're playing th- a very a- tight, we're playing a very tight austerity style game with our, you know, with our budgets, government wise, and you know that and the in the McNeil government sort of came into this whole twinning issue with that with that in mind, and and they've you know they made the case back when they were doing consultations about whether or not they could toll us for these yeah. roads, they were saying, there is just no way we can afford this. It's pie in the sky. If you want this Nova Scotia, you have to pwn you out, you're going to have to pay tolls. That's just the reality. And people said, you know, so I mean, like, don't even take my opinion for it, but take people's opinion. They said, well, maybe we don't need it that much, because we don't want to pay, you know, a dollar fifty toll. So, I mean,
0: I, I think this was a cynical ploy on the McNeil government's part. You know, they timed this Pretty, pretty well. They, they said, hey, uh, we're going to do this tolling study. We're going to go out and ask you folks if you want to get tolled." And then, you know, right before the election, they say, ah, we're no, we heard you. You don't want tolls, So we're just going to pay for this and your highway will get twinned. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, a month before the election.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would definitely, I mean, it was certainly an, election, an election-related an election announcement for sure. I mean, there is a big movement for that because, I mean, it's in a, mo- like, you can get down to, like, there's a very emotional argument at play, right? Because you're talking about uh, traffic accidents. Yeah. And so many people drive. It's just like everyone relates to this. Everyone relates to the risk that you take when yeah. you're in a car hurling down a highway at 120 Well, well let's talk about now. that.
0: Now, the 103 from Tantelan on is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's dangerous. It's a two-lane road, one one lane each direction, no separation. doesn't seem to be engineered very well. There's weird turns and blind curves and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of people that live down there, and it's foggy a lot. Mm-hmm. And people are people, and they pass in the fog mm-hmm. on a two-lane road. So w- there's been... Horrible tragedies along that road, and and a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. what do you what do you say to people who are like, "Well, here's the safety issue."
2: Well, I mean, there's going to be probably stretches of that road right now, especially the way, you know, if 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 it, if I were, <laughs> if it was up to me, I would probably be looking at that road and I would be saying, "Okay, like the patchwork twinning that's happening right now." is sort of dangerous, because what it's doing is is it's creating sort of like different expectations of, you know, what a proper speed is, and that sort of thing. You know, I would maybe be saying like the long term game is here to, you know, to delineate sort of this is as far as the twinning is going to reach for the next maybe 20 years, and like, we're going to leave it there. Um, So yeah, there's probably some work, you know, there probably is some twinning that's justified. But What's happening now is, you know, uh, this is, this is like, I'll I'll throw in this example. I drove to Quebec. I did the Moncton to Quebec, Moncton to Montreal trip. Now, I've been doing that for years and years because my, I grew up in Kitchener, Ontario, and I went to school out east. Back in the day, that was a 12 hours easily. Now it's 9.5 hours. I mean, it's like a it's like a massive reduction in the amount of driving time that you will spend on the highway, and it's all because of twinning. So we have invested billions and yeah. billions of dollars on, in that to make that go faster. We have on the on the opposite side, regional transportation systems like via rail are no longer even a like viable alternative. You can't you can't get anywhere on bus or train yeah. because we haven't invested in those. In fact, it takes three three or four hours longer to go to do that same trip by train than uh, it did when I was and in university. you
0: can only do it half the time. Yeah, too. this is like yeah. so
2: what we're deciding to do as a society like you know across the board and this is the fe- I mean this is our federal government too right this is like it's multiple it's across many yeah. provinces Nova Scotia is not alone on this but we're we're making huge massive investments and we're also you know we're becoming road poor right we are not a wealthy province we cannot afford to have twinned highways from like, you know, across the entire province, like crisscrossing. I mean, we have, we have a great network of highways, they reach everywhere. I mean, you can get everywhere on these 100 series highways. And like, they can't all be twinned. It's just not feasible. And so that's my argument, you know? Yeah, the way we've constructed the 103 right now, maybe there's some things and there is a lot of Things that you can do to improve the current safety of all the highways in Nova Scotia, right? They could be taking a chunk of money and creating a short-term, like a two- or three-year plan to say, we're really going to get everything done. I mean, they have a bunch of safety reviews on the books right now for all different stretches.
0: You did a piece on that Mm -hmm. a while back. Uh, What what are some of the short-term solutions?
2: Um, I think they're gonna be, like, they'll, they'll vary, of course, for, for stretch to stretch. There's, you know, things like wildlife fencing that New Brunswick has gotten into. Um, there's things like, just better like recessed reflectors in mm-hmm. um to demarcate lanes. That's your that's, favorite. That's my little yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 I mean the whole reason I did that article is because you were so I was like, into recessed reflectors. Recess reflectors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well and I found out that I mean they have they've started they've started using them, right? The same with rumble strips. Like that's yeah. another miracle thing, right? Like I mean when you first like, do you remember first encountering a rumble strip and how how effective it was? Like, I mean, the rumble strip when I was a kid was like the gravel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you hit the gravel and you're the like, oh, rail. my God, I <laughs> nearly died, you yeah. know. that. But rumble strips are so amazing, right? But they still aren't everywhere, right, on, yeah. on the roads that need them. Like, why not, right? Yeah. Like, what is the holdup? Like, this is a, a simple, relatively very cheap thing that we could be doing to just – like, decrease the amount of accidents that are occurring, the amount yeah. of collisions, stuff like that. I mean, some of, the, some of the safety reports that they had, like, even, you know, re- recommended things. Like, on the 103, they recommended um, having cameras, speeding cameras to – and not necessarily to give tickets, but just to give warnings to say, hey, you were going 140, you know that's not okay. You're going to kill someone. Like yeah. you know, just send people a letter, or send the owner of the car a letter, I guess, and let them know. Um, there was some kind of interesting, yeah. Like uh, one of the safety reports said, like let's put a sign in town, you know, in in these communities, saying like this is how many of you were speeding this week. Pay attention to what you're doing because, you know, people do it innocently. They're not meaning to be reckless. But it's just, it's easy. You do, like, you, especially people who are commuting, they're doing it day in, day out. It just becomes so normal. Yeah. And so it just doesn't seem like you could possibly hurt someone or yourself. But it's not true. You can.
0: So um, the alternative, twin the few little sections that need to be twin, do these these uh, short-term and much cheaper engineering fixes, mm-hmm. and?
2: Well, and invest in, you know, alternatives for people across Nova Scotia. Like, You know, we need regional transportation, like regional public transportation, right? We need buses and or trains to go to crisscross. I mean, in a subsidized program where we like we know up front and we don't expect it to cover 100 percent of costs. We set a reasonable target for fares to cover. And we say there needs to be you need to be able to take like if you live in Chester and you have a temporary, you know, say you have a work opportunity in Halifax. There needs to be a bus that you could take to get there. Right. I mean, you know, if we're going to have communities, if we're going to have this wonderful sort of distributed province with lots of small towns everywhere, we need a way to get from one to the other without personal car ownership, which is what we have now. We have a situation where like, sometimes just to get a job in Nova Scotia, you need to personally own a car. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, there's plenty of jobs that will explicitly say that. And that's because we don't have good alternatives like in place. And th- those things are fairly cheap. I mean, with the kind of numbers, I mean that's the thing. Like the numbers for twinning, it's a, it's incredibly expensive.
0: Yeah, you know? like you know, realistically, half a billion dollars. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, buy, I mean, yeah, a few I mean, a few buses. <laughs> I mean, Nova Scotia is saying they were going to spend three ninety. In the next seven years. And that's not even for the full list, of course, what they were mentioning. But, I mean, that presupposes a matching contribution yep. from the federal government. Yep. So you're looking at $800 million right there, say. And, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, we'll keep
0: an eye on this. What What are you working on? This is how well, we do actually, our editorial yeah,
2: meetings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what are you working on, Erica? Well, actually, today, th- this is interesting because I was just speaking to some rural transit operators today uh-huh. um must go Rider and Bay Rides yeah um, asking them about their sort of trials and tribulations and one of the things that they're facing is you know they rely on some provincial and some municipal funding there's sort of a the province has sort of a mini startup mechanism for these organizations yep. and it's it's a thing that's growing i mean i mean in HRM they're very new to us right that yeah, Musco Rider uh, and Bay Rides
0: council just approved a grant too.
2: yes yeah. yeah but it's a cutback Okay, there's a cutback there, and it it what council is doing is they're saying we have one pot of money. Yeah, if you increase the services that you're going to offer, then you will get less money per per service. So per kilometer that, that was their normal like ratio. That so if they increase, you know, as there's going to be a demand for because like one of the reasons I'm looking into this is because you know we're about to lose the the bus out to Sambro. And that's going to be a big problem for a small number of people in Sambro. Mm -hmm. But Sambro is a perfect community for something like this, right? One of these rural transit, like a -a dial-a-ride sort of, uh, they use vans, they they go from, pick people up at their residence, because when you live in a rural community, placing bus stops is nearly impossible for everyone to get to, right? So I was looking at that. And I mean, they have small, like a very small pot of money from the province, but every time a new area opens everyone gets less money because it it doesn't grow it's not it's not established to like sort of grow as the demand grows it's one pot of money that will actually like shrink as demand grows
0: all right so we'll see this next week hopefully great hey thanks for coming in thank you and um We'll talk tomorrow, I think, or later today or something. So I've been speaking with Erica Butler, who is the Halifax Examiner's transportation columnist. You're listening to Examiner Radio, and we'll return right after this. That's a wrap for this week's Examiner Radio, the weekly radio show and podcast produced by the Halifax Examiner. I'm Tim Bousquet.
1: And I'm Tara Tyer. As always, we'd love to know what you think. If you have comments on what you've heard or story suggestions for future episodes, please send an email to podcast at halifaxexaminer.ca.
0: Until next week, your phrase is, Annie, get the guest room ready. (laughs)
1: Alright. <laughs> Bye-bye.